This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 88 of the Healthy Critters Radio on the Horse Radio Network. Healthy Critters Radio is brought to you by Biostar US. Find them online at biostarus.com. On today's show, we share tips for feeding the wild birds, how to support horses undergoing stem cell therapy. In Critter Nutrition, we examine palm oil, and in Coffee Clatch, we share tips for helping dogs stay cool in the summer. Listen in. So, Patty P. Yes, Tigarella. You, you are now in Texas. Yes, I am and back in Texas. How was your trip out there? Well, it was interesting, actually. I mean, it was a very uneventful trip for the most part, but, you know, we were hauling the trailer empty, and it was fine until we were about 20 miles outside of Memphis. And some guy, some very nice guy, and we were on a really busy highway. I think it was Route 40. I was going to think Interstate 40. Yeah, was like pointing, and and you could see he was mouthing, you have a blown tire, or a flat tire. And I was like, oh my gosh, you couldn't even tell. Like, I've got a four-star trailer and an F-250, and like, I couldn't even tell. So I was like, oh crap, I was with a friend, and we pulled over, and it was a pretty major highway. And and when I tell you, you know when you guys, and there was no shoulder, absolutely no Uh... shoulder. At all. And so like you get out, like I'm holding on to the truck so I can get kind of assess the situation. And cause I was going to call my husband and say, okay, you know, exactly what we do. Cause even if I had not packed on top of all the stuff to change the tire, <laughs> which was dumb in that moment, I was like, Oh, dumb move. Dumb, dumb, dumb. There's no way I could have done it because we were right up against the highway. So, you know, we sat there trying to figure out exactly what we were going to do. So my friend had U.S. Rider, and years ago I'd looked into getting it, but apparently you can't be a professional and have it, which, okay, I mean, you know, whatever. But she called, and she had been broken down about a year ago. They were there within 20 minutes, no big deal. So she called and talked to dispatch, blah, 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 blah. Okay, we're 20 miles outside of Memphis, which is not a small town. So they're going to get back to you. So we're just sitting there trying to wonder, like, do we creep along a little bit? Because we knew we were three miles from the exit. Because tractor trails, I mean, they don't slow down. Do not slow down. And it became pretty apparent to me pretty quickly that we were just sitting ducks. And so, you know, every minute would go by and we're like, do we creep along? And, you know, we're we're trying to assess the situation, you know, because it was the front tire of the, you know, the back the back wheels on your trailer. So it was the front one, which was good. And honestly, you know, my husband had told me that the type of trailer it is that most likely that, that rim won't get ruined, but you run the risk of ruining the tire behind it if it blows off. So like, you know, we're just going through all of these things. Now I keep in mind, I think I had been going for at least 50 miles on the tire and had no idea. So I just like to point that out. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. That's kind of what my mentality was, but we were also, you know, so we just like, oh, U.S. rider, they'll come, they'll come save us. So I don't know, a good 20 minutes went by and it was starting to become rush hour traffic. And I'm telling you, oh. I went out to check the tire one time and there was no way I was going to go back out there again because it was, uh, it, you know, to no it's fault of anybody in the traffic. It was, ju- we were sitting ducks and it was just trying to make all the right decisions in that moment were just like overwhelming. So I eventually, I just called 911 and I just, I, it, which by the way, called 911. I said, we're sitting ducks, gave them the exact mile marker of where we were. And that took 15 minutes for someone to come and get us. So by that point, um, the, the cop came, which was great. He escorted us off and we're still waiting for us rider to call, which they still, they kept saying, Oh, we're still working. We can't find anybody in the network. Now keep in mind, we're 20 miles outside of Memphis. Okay. If there had a horse been on the trailer, I think I probably would have lost my mind. You know, Uh it was just one of those situations. But the and I felt so I felt so good once the policeman got there and he's like you know follow me and we'll you know we went very very slowly and he escorts me to a gas station where it's not a truck stop where we could have gone to the right and literally gone to a gas station or a truck stop to the right but he brought us this other way don't know why and then he gets us there and he goes okay well hope you know good luck and we're like wait a second (laughs) where are you going I can't I can't change this tire. 
And in the interim, U.S. Ryder called back and said, we can't help you. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was pretty. And I, I was like, I cannot believe this. So this nice man in a van, which, of course, you know, drives by and it was a work van and says to the, to the cop, you know, do you guys need any help? The cop's like, no, no, we're fine. I'm like, no, he's going to change my tire. Please. And fortunately, he heard my shrill um, and was like pulled over. And God bless that man. His name was Nevin. And Nevin was like an angel. And I, so he comes over and says, you know, oh, I don't worry. I can help you out. And the cop just looked at me and goes, okay. I'm like, well, what would you have been able to do? He goes, oh, I, I don't know. I was like, oh, I cannot believe this. So anyway, Nevin changed it. Everything was good. But the thing that was so apparent to me, you know, I've traveled all over the country in trailers. Um, it was so obvious to me that I was so ill-prepared um, because of where we were on the highway, number one. Number two, you know, I put so much faith in the fact that U.S. Rider would come and get us or the cops would help us or something. The cop was literally just going to leave us there and just go on his merry way, which was which was frustrating because we felt so taken care of for about you know? uh-huh. <laughs> yeah right doesn't include and, changing um, a tire on a horse trailer or, or but i just wanted help right you know, i just wanted help getting an idea where to go and what to do at that point but fortunately this incredibly kind man came would not take any money changed the tire made sure we had air in it and we were you know we ended up make, got getting on our way but the the thing that i learned from the whole situation was, you know, I need to have, um, cause the Jack, a lot of people, um, I'm sure have heard of trailer aids where you pull right up. Those things are golden. I couldn't find mine because it was packed, which was dumb on my part. So think about that. I mean, seriously, when I, you pack I mean, your trailer, leave the emergency yep, make sure you, kit accessible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it was just one of those things that, and there was no way guys that even if I thought I could change the tire that I could have gone through and gotten all this stuff out, you know what I yeah. mean? Yep. So it was pretty intimidating, but I am going to have a proper, you know, trailer aid, jack, all of those things. But I'm also going to have, you know, the, the, the drill thing that the guy had, because the other thing is, is once he got that tire on there, there was no way I would ever have been able to get it off. You know what I mean? Cause he was trying to make sure we were safe. So it's just sort of note to self, make sure you have these things, make sure, um, you know, you are prepared. I mean, I always check my tires. We always pre-trip and do all of those things. And my tires were good. I really don't know what happened with the tire. Hit a, a nail or something. Something. I mean, Peter looked at it and said, you blew out. I don't know why you blew out. You could have, you know, maybe they needed air. I don't know. But I had gotten a wonderful gift from one of my clients before I left. And she works for DeWalt. And it was an automatic air compressor. And, um, I, I learned that it, 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 it would do a car very easily, but for a trailer, because of the weight, you have to have it up on the trailer aid to fill it with air because it was too much pressure and it kept shutting it off, but it was an automatic rechargeable air compressor. So that ended up being golden, golden, but because I didn't have the trailer aid, I couldn't use it. It had to be, you know what I mean? You've got, yeah, you, you have, have to have all the parts. It, had to it be, doesn't work. Yeah. Well, you have to jack it back up so that the tire can fill and not have the pressure of the trailer. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So anybody who's heading out on the road, check your stuff. I mean, it ended up being great, but boy, could that have been a catastrophe. Yep. Yep. Wow. That's crazy. Well, you got safely where you were going. Deep cleansing breath. Yep. Yes, we did. Don't. Yep. Yep. And a yep, great exactly. story to tell that will story. maybe yep. save oh, yeah. other people. Exactly. Exactly. So have your stuff, do a pre-trip and, and I will tell you this U.S. Rider absolutely positively came back through. And when she, the girl called back and she said, this was, I mean, we were sitting ducks. You guys did nothing to help us. And they, they gave her a, like three months free on her thing. And they were so apologetic. So, I mean, they, it wasn't like they just were like, Oh, sorry. See ya. <laughs> That's good to know too. Yep. <laughs> wow. So there you go. Well, from tires on horse trailers to taking care of wild birds. Now there's a turnaround. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Mm -hmm. What I have learned about feeders is that there are different kinds for different species. So, you know, a common one is called a small hopper. They look like a little house. 
you know, and they might have places to put the suet. Oh, they're the ones that what? look like a little a little tiny house that, that has a city yeah. base and they're usually clear on the sides? Yeah. Okay, got it. Um, they attract small birds and they prevent larger birds like grackles from dominating the feeder. So if you don't want grackles, that's a good feeder to have. Large hopper is on a platform and it has walls and roof that protect the seed against weather. So some of them kind of look like a bit of a church. They're they're not like a little house. They're taller and the roofs are more peaked. Am I describing this very well? Uh-huh. <laughs> it, it looks a lot like the other ones, except that it is like a little tiny house and, and the little tiny house has a base on it like a like a It reminds me of a it. church. Yeah. Because it has more little like windows around it. So the, the difference being that they have different sized holes for different sized seed. And birds. So the difference different types and sizes of seed also attract different types of birds. Is that kind of correct? Correct. So a large hopper you would get you could get doves. Even though they like to be on the ground to feed, the other birds that feed on it will knock the seed off, and then the doves come underneath. And then the doves come over and clean up on the floor. <laughs> I like to sit on the floor to eat pizza. I get it. <laughs> yeah. Then there are the tube feeders. I'm sure you've all seen their cylinders. Oh, yeah. And they have short perches. So they're good for finches and all, you know, chickadees, cardinals. And they keep away the bigger birds. Does and it keep the, away the bigger birds because the bigger birds don't fit on the teeny weeny perch? Correct. I'm getting it. Yeah, you are. Now, nectar feeders are basically for hummingbirds. And one thing that I'm learning is that all feeders should be cleaned like every, at least every season with a little bit of Clorox. Or when, if you in a particularly rainy season, they may to be may need to be cleaned every two weeks because the seed will get wet and clog, and then it it molds, and evidently that that gives birds makes them sick, which is not nice. Right. Um. So feeding, we have nine feeders here. Needless to say, we fill <laughs> we fill bird feed. When you I know, die, I, I want to come back as a bird in your house. <laughs> daily bait. Well, you know, I find that bird watching is really reduces my stress. It's a really fun hobby. And, you know, the longer you feed them, the more each year you attract. Like, we now have a permanent pair of red-winged blackbirds. They've been here since last March. They stayed over the winter? Yep. Oh wow. oh wow! See, we only we only get them passing through here in Central Florida. We see them for you know a few a few weeks a year. Well, that they normally only pass through Virginia, but these two said, "Hey, food's good here. <laughs> Plenty always open. <laughs> we like it here." And this spring, they invited friends, so we had oh. at one point like six red winged blackbirds. The rest of them moved on. The two that have decided to make this home are here. We oh, must have red winged blackbird Airbnb. Oh, we have about 30 goldfinches and they like the Nyer seed, the little thistle seed. And we can have at one time, we have like four hanging feeder socks of thistle seeds and you, and there, there can be 20 goldfinches on it. Oh, that's cool. It's so cool. So sunflower seeds are the favorites of chickadees, finches, sparrows, and cardinals, and, and woodpeckers. And ponies. And ponies, yes. Oh, that's funny. We have a, wa- a little bird bath. It's important to have water nearby, not only to drink, but so that they can clean themselves. It's best not to feed a, a multi-blend seed. Like it's good to feed, you know, fruit and millet and oats and peanuts. But some of these seed companies, when they put all these seeds together, they also put in sort of filler that the birds don't eat. 
So they put rice cakes in there to fool them. Because yeah, exactly. we know how sucky rice cakes are. <laughs> exactly. So you should, you're better off going with something that's specific. For example, a cardinal diet or Niger seed or doing it that way. Correct. Peanuts are loved by chickadees, titmouse, nuthatches, and jays. What we do is we buy it in, in a suet form for them. And they actually like shell, you know, they're not too crazy. Whole peanuts bring the squirrels, but the shell peanuts are great for chickadees and nut, ha- nut hatches and titmice. So, you know, don't just don't have just one feeder, have a couple so that you can feed different kinds of birds. You guys want to want to offer anything on tips for feeding wild so birds? You, when I, I, can't, I can't offer a lot of personal experience because I don't have any bird feeders, but I am curious. Um, How come? Uh, because the squirrels eat all of it. We literally have hundreds of squirrels. But the birds do okay here. We have lots and lots of songbirds, especially woodpeckers. Zillions of woodpeckers. I love them. Um, Insect-eating birds. Lots of those because we have a zillion and one insects. Um, not yeah. as many seed eaters because we don't have a lot of um, natural, because all the flora and fauna around here, it's all just naturally growing stuff. We don't have anything that's planted for them. So we don't have as many seed eaters, but lots and lots of insect eaters. But whenever you're feeding your birds, I know people get very excited because bird A comes in and they really don't want to feed bird A. They want to feed bird B. For example, you want to, <clears throat> excuse me, you want to feed your songbirds. Yep. You have the local crows coming in and making mischief. Any recommendations on helping to keep peace in the neighborhood when that happens? You know, I, I, this is probably an unpopular opinion, but I'm glad the crows are here and the grackles and the blue jays. And, you know, they're allowed to be here, too. This is not a restricted feeding spot. So would you just I, recommend having more feeders spread apart? Would that be correct? Useful? Yeah. Yep. And you know, the songbirds, I like to put my feeders near trees, bushes, places where they can get out of the way of the bigger birds easily. Oh, well that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Not out smack in the middle of the yard where all the predators can get them. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Because yep. you, always, you always see these feeders places. and they're, they're always displayed in the middle of the yard. Yeah. And they're, and they're not safe. <laughs> It's just not safe for a multitude of different birds. Now, interestingly enough, this year we've had a whole bunch of volunteer sunflowers come up from <laughs> birdseed. I love that part about bird feeders. <laughs> and this one is a double-headed one with two branches. And the birds, it's huge. You know, it's seven feet at least. And the birds are landing on these extended branches Instead of bouncing, the, yeah, it's cool. just great. Well, when that flower matures, they'll be picking the seeds out of it. That's so cool. Well, it's already blooming. So, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, both heads are blooming. Yeah, that happened way, 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 way long ago when Glenn and I had our own place. We did have bir- a bird feeder out on our front porch, and the front porch had two giant arborvitaes. That had, they were just huge. They were way too big for where they were, but we just left them there. And of course, the birds thought that was awesome because they could jump from the arborvitae right over to the bird cedar, which was about two feet. And every spring, mm-hmm. starting in about year three, we would just have this enormous growth of all the stuff that fell down. You know, and it was just, <laughs> we didn't have any idea what most of it was. Now the the, the sunflower plants we recognize, but. I don't know what millet looks like when it grows. So everything that grew down there, we just let it go because we didn't yeah. know what it was. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> oh, gee. So hmm. for summer um, and winter, do you use different foodstuffs? I use more nuts and the nut and fruit blends for the bigger birds and for the woodpeckers. But, I mean, I, I feed that year-round. I just fill more feeders with it. So how do you know if you have too many feeders or not enough feeders? You know, I, I, I don't know that I know the answer to that. But if there's a big waiting line in the trees, it's time waiting to get line. another feeder. Watch for people waiting in line, tapping their toes. <laughs> the birds are like, come on, come on, move it along, move it along. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> 
And then if you have chickens, the real advantage is what the birds spill on the ground, you let the chickens in and let them clean it up. Oh, the chickens would have a, a high old time, yeah. Oh, yeah, we let them in every afternoon around the bird feeders. Yeah, I love watching the chickens. Oh, they're hysterical. Chickens are awesome. So uh, get get bird feeders of appropriate size, not only for the yep. size of the perch, but the size of the seed that goes in and the type and style and the of type perch that bird, they want. And the type of bird you want and the type of bird to attract. Want. Now, that it yep. makes sense at this point to mention... Google what kind of birds are going to be in your neighborhood. Because if you go, buy a bird yeah. feeder and seed to attract a kind of bird that doesn't live where you do, <laughs> yeah. it's not yeah. going to help. See, that would be something I would do. I would go out and buy a feeder and I'd buy seed and I'd do all this stuff. And I'd be so disappointed because I didn't get, you know, species X. And, and then I would go, oh, species X doesn't live here. <laughs> but what is really interesting is when you start attracting birds that you haven't seen before, like... The red-winged blackbird. Yeah. And mm-hmm. all these goldfinches. I mean, it's a goldfinch colony here. <laughs> and we started with oh, two yeah. a couple of years ago. And now the family, relatives, cousins, they're all here. And they're here during the winter. So, oh, wow. and I think this spring we had 10 cardinal pairs. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. We and have- we don't have as many cardinals this year. Usually we will have easily half a dozen pairs right near the house. And I, I've only spotted two so far this year. I don't know if our late arriving spring had something to do with that or what. I love them. They're such beautiful birds. They're Glenn's favorite because he, red bird. He yeah. <laughs> you can cannot, see them pretty much. Yeah. They're one of my favorites too. And then yeah. lots of sparrows and wrens and, so I, I'm I'm a big proponent. You know, we don't have bears here because if you live in bear country, you cannot have, put bird seed out. That's just <laughs> bear food. That's asking for mischief. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but if you don't live in bear country, it it's it's you're doing a wonderful thing for the wild birds and a wonderful thing for yourself because they are so entertaining and. So interesting to watch how different species of small birds will will be on the feeder and how they wait in line for each other or have disagreements or tell the other guy, get out of here. (laughs) (laughs) So I I highly recommend, um, I highly recommend everybody have a bird feeder where, when you can and where you can find the right feeder and the right seed. And it's hours of, de-stressing hours of high quality entertainment for you right there and speaking of high quality entertainment it's time to move from bird feeders to the beach and it's time to give Hedwig a call oh my god hello Hedy Hello. How is everyone? Well, I hope. Faring nicely in the weather. Not too hot or anything. <laughs> well, Actually, I don't care. Oh, okay. Oh. How do you get a move? long day. Hedy is yes. being honest. Oh, well, Hedy's Tommy, I help clinic. you. I love to say two things out loud. How may I help you today? (laughs) Jennifer has a question for you. Good luck with Jennifer. Thank you. (laughs) It's summertime, well and truly, in most of the United States. And it is the habit of the human servant to go to the beach. And we wanted you to weigh in. Not my servant. Well, maybe not your servant, but many servants. I wanted you to weigh in on how you feel about the beach for... I do not go to beaches. They are not safe for little dogs. You must be very clear about the threat, the constant threat to the little dog posed by the shark. Now, you may say shark attacks are rare, but if any little dog's life is threatened... That is one little dog's life to me. And also, 
a ferocious and gigantic. And really, let's be fair, two-thirds of the world is ocean. Let them have it. No problem. I don't want it. I don't need sand or salt for my beautiful suit. Leave it to the sharks. It's fine. They should have it. I grant it to them. So what would you suggest as an alternative to the beach for the humans to take some relaxation along with their canine charges? Five-star air-conditioned hotel. (laughs) (laughs) I believe the Four Seasons is lovely this time of year, as is the Ritz-Carrot. Yes, that is what we call nice places. Or Does that mean that you'll go swimming in the pool? No, I'm not stupid. I bask in the air conditioning. I like climate control. If yeah. I were to have a vacation, there would be no horses, no excessive heat, no excessive cold, no long, boring days. Climate control, room service. Got it. I think that sounds great. (laughs) I don't know how long I'd do without the horses, though. I don't know. Well, give it a go. (laughs) See how it worked out for you. That's how I do it. Start out with one month and then, you know, see how it works out after that. (laughs) Can you swim? Yes. Tigger, I can swim. But why would you want to know that, Tigger? Because you're threatening my little life. <laughs> it's a safety thing, Hedwig. What if there's a tsunami at the Ritz? She's just worried because her dog was stupid. It fell in the pool. Do I look um, stupid to you? No. <laughs> I, I thought not. I, I just, thought you appreciated my extraordinary intellect. Yeah, I just get the feeling you can't swim. You're wrong. <laughs> I can swim, actually. You but just there's no need to swim if there's no reason to swim. And trust me on this one. Take note, write it down. There is no reason for a little dog to swim. Little dog got other things going on. <laughs> well, Hedwig, we will let you get on with your other things. We appreciate your input on beaches and swimming in general. And five-star yes. hotels. And five-star hotels. Yes, and air conditioning. Send so, Glenn yeah. to the beach and little dog to the five-star hotel. <laughs> Bye-bye, Hedy. Bye, Hedy. Bye, So we are at the Tigopedia part of our show, and I have recently had some people ask me, Tigger, about what is the best way uh, to support horses that have just gone under uh, undergone stem cell therapy. What are your thoughts on that? Well, protein is really important when horses are recovering, particularly connective tissue. But there's a tendency with a lot of uh, regenerative therapy or layups that, you know, we cut their feedback, don't cut the protein. Body will cannibalize itself because it needs more protein to heal. Okay. It's a little counterintuitive. You can certainly cut the carbohydrates, meaning, you know, rice bran and coconut meal and if you feed any kind of carbohydrate food like oats, yes, you can cut that back. But, you know, alfalfa is a complete protein for a horse. So, you know, pellets or cubes, you want to make sure you keep those protein levels at 14 to 15%. Another feature of especially stem cell as it relates to tendons and ligaments is circulation. And part of what stem cell therapy is, is it's it's increasing circulation to that area, right? Mm -hmm. So I like to support it with foods that increase nitric oxide. And nitric oxide is the master circulatory molecule of the body. 
It's the big kahuna of circulation. So after stem cell therapy, while the horse is still in layup, resting, starting to recover, maybe starting a little hand walking, that's the time to increase circulation. Biostar has a product called Circuvate, which yeah. increases nitric oxide by 52%. So it's it's a, a tremendous amount of increased circulation, which is is nitric oxide is to the inside of a horse what shockwave is outside of a horse. So what is it what is it that's in like circulate? Like how do you increase that? Like how do you increase the nitric oxide? Okay, so there's something called amalaki, which is Indian gooseberry. And it's been studied to the research shows that it, it increases anywhere from 49 to 52 percent of nitric oxide production. So it stimulates more of this molecule. And then we support it with other nitric oxide supported foods like pumpkin seeds, sesame seeds. Those are also really good foods for increasing circulation. But Amalaki has a, a tremendous amount of research behind it. I feel like every time you say that, I want to say, God bless you. <laughs> oh, God bless you. Like you're sneezing. I think it's a beautiful word. It's very music. It is, but it, 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 yes, but I, I can see it in a sneeze. I just, you just need to know that. <laughs> okay, sorry. Okay, so um, pumpkin seeds and you said sesame seeds? Sesame seeds are good sources of nitric oxide, but amalaki is the, is the powerhouse of it. And then the other factor of supporting stem cell is colostrum because it has 70 different growth factors. And these growth factors are responsible for cellular regeneration and cellular replication. So it's a great supportive food for stem cell. I'm just writing this all down. Okay. <laughs> I can hear her pencil uh, scratching along. I, I'm just like, I'm like, oh, I hate it when she does the big words. Can't she just like <laughs> make it a smaller word? But, okay. So, okay. Okay. So there's 70 different regrowth factors. Yeah. Interesting. So, okay. I'm, I'm going to jump in here and, and ask a, a question, see if I can throw a wrench in the works. Oh, great. <laughs> um, for horses who have undergone stem ther- cell therapy, down they're recovering, which can sometimes be very long time. Are there things we shouldn't be feeding them that are kind of anti-supportive? For, that's a word. Obviously, you mentioned don't load up on the carbs. Yep. Anything else that we should avoid feeding them? Well, you you do want to avoid inf- inflammatory foods. So, you know, a lot of carrots and apples would not be, or those, you know, one carrot, one apple, no problem. But we all have a tendency, we love our horses. Here's a carrot. Oh, have another carrot. Here's a fourth carrot. And how about, would you like some apples too? <laughs> Yeah, the, the yeah. Whole one every day probably not a good yeah idea. yeah not a good idea because that's what I do that too especially because we have carrots all the time and it, they sound so wonderful when they crunch them yeah yeah so just a, a carrot or an apple a day okay but don't go overboard okay I, or you I, know I, what I do I take a carrot and break it into a lot of pieces and then yeah it, make, you'll make you feel, feel like the you're giving yeah. them a lot but, and you do want to watch the you know. We have a tendency to go for the cookies, the horse treats. It's loaded with molasses and high sugary ones. Yeah, avoid those. Yeah. Okay. So you think about it. If you get one really big carrot, you chop it up. You can give them a couple pieces throughout the day, and you will feel satisfied, and so will the horse. Exactly. But also, figure you could also give you know those alfalfa pellets as a treat too. You know, absolutely. Yep. Nigel, my horse Nigel thinks that the alfalfa pellet. The best treat ever in the universe. The bomb diggity. Yeah. He loved, he, he, we don't have regular cookies around because Scooter can't have them. So I can't have them in the house because Glenn will feed them to Scooter. But yeah, whenever I do clicker training with Nigel, I use alfalfa pellets more so than alfalfa cubes. The alfalfa cubes are okay, but there's something about the alfalfa pellet that just lights his fire. I don't know what it is. <laughs> That's well, perfect. It just, it just does it for him. It's yeah. like gin and tonics for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just my, it's just my gig. It's just, you know, if I'm going to treat myself, I'm going to do a gin and tonic with a little taste of lime. You know what I mean? So I get it. I get it. Well, that's great information. I appreciate it. No problem.
And now we're at Critter Nutrition, and the topic is the environmental and health impacts of palm oil. Palm oil has become a popular raw material as an inexpensive vegetable oil, source of vitamin E, and as an additive oil in cosmetics and lotions. It is listed on labels as vegetable oil, and it can be found in margarine, cakes, cookies, breads, biscuits, as well as in pet foods and equine feeds. We're not talking about sustainable palm oil, but at the first glance, one would at least think palm oil a healthier alternative to corn and soy oils. However, there is a very dark side to the palm oil story. Supplement companies have rushed to use palm oil as a source for natural vitamin E without ever telling consumers that palm oil extraction requires the toxic chemical hexane for processing, just like corn and soy oils. The only way to know that the palm oil has not been processed with hexane is if the palm oil is certified organic. If a label does not say vitamin E from certified organic palm oil, it has been processed with hexane. Indonesia and Malaysia have become the world's largest producer of palm oil, but this has come at a heavy environmental price. Yearly, some 340,000 hectares of rainforest are cleared to make way for more palm plantations, which translates into 840,000 acres per year. These rainforests are home to the Sumatran tiger, the Asian elephant, the Sumatran rhinoceros, orangutans, wild ox, barking deer, giant flying squirrels, gibbons, and the clouded leopard. The World Bank reports, quote, Indonesia is almost certainly undergoing a species extinction spasm of planetary proportions, end quote. Of the more than 400 land mammal species in Indonesia, 140 are threatened and 15 of those are critically endangered. This includes the Sumatran tiger, the Sumatran and Borean orangutans, the Asian elephant, and the Sumatran rhinoceros. There are also 112 threatened terrestrial birds native to these rainforests. Plantation corporations frequently set fire deliberately to clear the forest for palms, and animals are burned alive or killed as they try to escape. In 1997, almost 8,000 orangutans, one-third of the population, were either burned to death or massacred as they tried to escape the fires. The palm oil industry uses 25 different herbicides, insecticides, and other pesticides. One of the most commonly used chemical is the toxic herbicide paraquat. The wastewater from palm oil mills per year averages 33 billion pounds, which is the equivalent to domestic sewage produced by 20 million people. Most of this wastewater is not treated at all. It is dumped into rivers, killing thousands of fish, and contaminating the water for the local villages. The demand for palm oil is forecast to double, reaching 40.5 million tons by 2020. To achieve that, palm plantations will have to plant 1,160 new square miles every year. Because of the worldwide demand for palm oil, which is inexpensive and can be used in a variety of products, palm corporations are expanding into Costa Rica, New Guinea, Cameroon, the South Pacific, and Colombia. Since palm oil does not contain trans fat, more food companies are switching over from partially hydrogenated vegetable oils to palm oil. Sustainable palm oil and organic palm oil are available. In fact, Switzerland's biggest supermarket chain, Migros, hires independent auditors to verify that its palm oil suppliers are meeting the environmental criteria for sustainable palm oil. One quarter of all the products found in grocery stores contain palm oil, including products from Neutrogena, Avita, Clinique, Unilever, Kellogg's, Nestle, Kraft, Earth Balance, Nature's Path, and Cliff Bar, just to name a few. We consumers have the power of our pocketbooks to make choices for our health, the health of our family and animals, and the well-being of the planet. Seek and demand organic, sustainable palm oil in the products you use. Ask your feed companies and supplement companies to use organic palm for vitamin E. Or we can simply help the planet by not purchasing products that contain non-organic or non-sustainable palm oil. 
Real horses and real dogs are healthier, perform better, and recover more quickly on real food. That's why BioStar empowers horse and canine owners with 100% whole food nutrition, supplements, and feeding programs. BioStar products are made at their own certified non-GMO facility in Gordonsville, Virginia, using real fruit ingredients that are raw, freeze-dried, or dehydrated, never cooked, and are free from artificial flavors, colors, soy, corn, wheat, and molasses. The BioStar product line includes a wide range of whole food, horse and dog supplements, treats, and unique artisan poultices that embrace the ancient and traditional uses of clay and plants. Visit BioStarUS.com today and learn about whole foods and canine and equine nutrition so you can make the best decisions about the care and health of your horses and dogs. That's BioStarUS.com. Whole food nutrition the way nature intended. So today in Coffee Clutch... We've been inspired because of the recent hot weather to talk about ways that we cool our dogs and tips that we want to pass on to you. So um, my basic one is take the dog to the creek of the pond. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I, I know, can I, I'm going to, excuse me, I'm raising my hand. I'm going to tell you what Tig says, which is what I would do as well. What do you do, Patty? Well, I mean, various different things. I, I mean, I do find that taking the dogs to the creek can result in smelly dogs. And so when I don't <clears throat> do that, I, you know, the Aussies for sure. And actually my little bulldogs, I would get a kiddie pool and, you know, fill up the water, not too, not too deep because the French bulldogs cannot swim. And my dogs love to play in that and, and, um, you know, and roll around in that. I have had dogs that have loved ice, ice cubes <laughs> where, yep, you know, my you dogs can too. Throw some yeah, not, it doesn't, not a whole bunch of mine right now. But I have had them in the past where I would drop them on the floor and they would just go and they would just, they would love to, you know, chew on them or even lay on them. Mine climbed into think, the horse troughs. Well, see, and see, when Gavin was younger, he would jump into the horse trough. I'd be going on trail rides, I'd be at Cumber, and he would jump into the horse trough. And then I'd be like, oh, can you get out? And he would swim around and then he would climb out. Mine just lie on them. Is, yeah. Well, remember, Gavin is, you know. Yeah, he's uh, tiny. 20 pounds, you know, 20 <laughs> pounds. But yeah, my mine will definitely jump in it too. Um, and what I love is uh, Burke is not a very great swimmer. He's an adorable swimmer, but not a very great one. But he will go in any pool. Like he is all about a, like any type of pool. Um, but I love the baby pools too, because it just, it's fun to watch them play around. They can jump in and out, but also sprinklers. Yeah. Well, I do that with the hose, you mm -hmm. know, and I'm filling water buckets, then I'll turn the hose out on the, you know, grass and then the dogs like to jump through it and bite it, bite the water. Yeah. And That's so cute when they do that. Cause I've, I've done that too. Like in the wash stall, I'll, if I'm hosing off a horse or cleaning out the wash stall or whatever. And then, you know, one of the dogs will be behind and I love, love to spray them on. They love that too. Now I make, I'm, I make a treat oh, for dogs to cool them down. Oh, you do? Uh-huh. I freeze coconut oil. With a little bit of either pumpkin, canned pumpkin, or peanut butter. And you can do like a cup of each or a cup of the coconut oil, have a cup of the peanut butter, or have a cup of the pumpkin. And you, I have these little, you can buy them on Amazon. They're little silicon ice trays, but they're in the shape of paws. Dog balls. <laughs> of course they are. Yes. Of course they are. And you just, you know, pour the mixture in, leave it in the freezer for a couple of hours. And, you know, the silicone, that you, they're just easy to pop out. And they're great cooling treats because coconut is, is cooling. Oh, as yeah. is pumpkin. Oh, yeah. well, oh, now cool. I'm going to have to try That's that because Lori loves all of those things. Oh, it's, yeah. they love it. And I just discovered, idea. now you guys may know this already. But there is a self-cooling pet pad. I found it on. Oh Q yeah. And it's pressure activated. Okay. You don't have to put it in the refrigerator. As soon as the paws hit the mat, the cooling effect starts and lasts up to four hours. Really? Well. Yeah, it's called the Green Pet Shop self-cooling pet pad. Can I have cool. one? Yes, on yeah. Chewy. Thirty-one ninety-nine. I want it for me. Oh. 
But, you know, maybe for the Frenchies, this would be good, Patty. Yep. Oh, yeah, because I'm always I'm so nervous. Like, even today when I got home, I said to Ray, okay, it's got it's getting, you know, it's getting hot. You, you know, they got to be careful. You always are having to be worried about them. But they would, I, they would love that because they come right in my tile floor and lay down and pull their stuff off. There, actually, there's a picture of a bulldog on it. <laughs> oh, I bet. Yeah, that makes sense. Comes in small, medium, medium, large, large, and extra large. So if you need oh, one wow. for your okay. bed, Jennifer, you can get an extra <laughs> large one. Uh, Put it under your sheets. I want one of these to take yeah. along when I go camping with my horse when it's hot. Ah, I well, love that you smart. don't have to. I might get him it. one too, but I want one. <laughs> yeah, that's a great idea. <laughs> well, now I have to get this in addition to my solar powered generator so that I can do my off off my grid camping. Golly, good idea. <laughs> There you yeah. go, and that in a satellite phone, yeah. you're and, good to go. Yeah, and this is a lot cheaper than that uh, than that solar power generator. Let me tell you. Oh, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought it was a really, really cool idea. It is a cool idea. Uh, I wonder how. I wonder yeah, how I think, it's activated. See, now I want to look up the science behind that. Well, my guess. It, well, it says a non toxic gel. It absorbs the body heat. But I want to know more. The self-cooling pet pad is automatically recharged. See, now I'm going to have to email them and go, okay, I want that to work. <laughs> I know I've seen that. I've seen some people bring those to horse shows. And one other little thing that I was going to add, like if you go to a horse show, um, they actually, you know, if you bring your dogs to horse shows and it, you think it's hot, and I always, when I leave the, the tax stall, I keep them in a crate. But they make these cute little fans just for crates. Yeah, the little teeny yeah, tiny the side. Cute. Yeah, and some of them are battery operated, and they're and they really they are just just enough um, to keep the dog cool. So that's another idea too. Which I don't know, Jen. Maybe we can put you in a crate when you're going on your trip, and you can help with that. I feel like that when I'm sleeping in the horse trailer. I kind of feel a little bit like that dog in a crate. Yeah. Yeah. Especially oh, especially yeah, when sure. Nigel's on the outside of the horse trailer beating his hay net on it. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> Is there anything you yeah. have to do for glory or, I mean, greyhounds are really heat sort of conscious. They're, they don't get too hot, do they? Well, oh, they do because they've got so little body fat and so little hair, it goes right to the organs. Um, oh. They're actually very sensitive to overheating because of that because the blubber, the fat actually is an insulator both directions. It helps keep the heat out as well as the warm in. So she... Greyhounds frequently don't like water. Ours does not. She's not a water dog, although she will walk through a puddle. Her thing is she wants to find a hard surface that's cool. So she'll, she will seek out the hard floor in the house, or if there's a piece of concrete that's in the shade in the barn, she'll, she'll seek that out. Um, She would love to sit in front of a fan, but she's afraid of the sound it makes. (laughs) Because she's a special dog. She yeah she she has always lived since we've gotten her, and we got her. She was a stray before we got her, so we have no idea what it was. Uh, but she's always lived in an air conditioned home, so she's always right. she's never really had to suffer much. <laughs> well, that's kind of like my Frenchies too, because everybody's like, you know, what do you do with the Frenchies? And I'm like, well, when they were younger, I I would bring them. Um, when I was in Houston, I would definitely bring them to the barn. But by ten o'clock, they had to be in air conditioning, you know. But you know, since they've gotten a little bit older, I don't. I, I just, I let I only let them out when it's, you know, cooler out. Yeah. They, their, their ideal thing is, you know, being an air conditioner. Glenn, when Glenn takes glory for a walk to the mailbox and the mailbox is maybe a 16th of a mile away. <laughs> it's like the length of a football field away up and yeah. back. If it, if she has to go up and back during the day, which central Florida nineties sun. So it's probably even hotter than that in the sunshine. She is all in for the day. She cannot do possibly any yeah. more. She's, a, she's exhausted. She's exhausted. <laughs> she's a little bit like Hedwig that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's too much. Yeah. Now I Maybe do have exhausted. additional floor fans for the Aussies. Cause they would like to see this house at like 60 degrees. Well, yeah. They're kind of fuzzy. <laughs> And I like get it like seventy eight. Wow! So, so I have these, you know, tornado, tornado fans, and each dog will pick a fan, and <laughs> it's just 
let it blow all over them. Oh, that's funny. And Do they sit there with the, in front of it with their kind of their ears gently flapping? No, they like to lie down in uh, front of it and sleep by maximize it. Maximize the square inches of exposure. You, you got it. <laughs> I understand. Our our old farm dog back in the day felt the same way about space heaters. We had we had a oh, kerosene heater. We had a kerosene heater that to help heat the house, and she would get so close to that's like, oh my gosh, dog, you're gonna God. singe, and she would just bake in front of that thing. She'd be at a pan. Oh, that is so funny. Yeah. Yeah, but that's a, that's a great idea. So for listeners who have ideas about hey, how they help their dogs stay cool, none of which include going to the beach because apparently that's bad. Yeah, we'd love yeah. to hear about it, and you can uh, you can let us know at WildTheCritterSRadio.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to our sponsor, BioStar US. You can find them online at BioStarUS.com. Get the Horse Radio Network phone app on iOS or Android by searching for Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free and easy to use. For details about today's show, go to HealthyCrittersRadio.com where you can find links, photos, and more information about our guests. As always, we love your feedback. Please follow us on Facebook under Healthy Critters Radio. Be sure to visit all the great shows on Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Love your dog. Hug your horse. Feed your chickens. Clean your litter box. Dance with your goat. Slither with your snakes. Howl at the moon. Hang with your hamster. Party with your parrot. Waddle with your walrus. Outwit your otter. Cuddle your cows. Rap with your raptor. Go chipping with your chipmunks. Forgive your fox. While hedging your hog. We also recommend that you rack with your raccoon. Gyrate with your giraffe. Meditate with a meerkat. Uber with your orangutan. Facebook with your flamingo. Ponder with your panda. Walk with your wookie. Yawn with your yak. Twitter with your toucan. Go raining with your reindeer. Dropbox your dragon. (laughs) 